This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. As Hurricane Joaquin bears down this weekend on the eastern seaboard, we're going to look back at the impact Hurricane Katrina had on one of its native sons, the wires Wendell Pierce. But first in the studio, a talk about boxer stock. It is amazing how fast time flies. So I walked up into our lobby just a little while ago to bring into the studio my good friend Mike Logan. He is like the biggest volunteer for boxer stock, which is coming up in like a few days. It's coming up this weekend on October the 11th. And Mike, I'm so glad that you're back, but has it been a year since you were here? It's been a year. It seems like whenever we have boxer stock, we start up the next week and next thing you know, it's boxer stock. Well, we still look as young as we did the last time we sat down. Now, for some of our listeners who may not remember, let us know what boxer stock is. Sure. So boxer stock presented by Paces Ferry Veterinary Clinic and Unleashed by Petco is our big annual fundraiser. Uh, This is our eighth year having boxer stock, and the purpose of the event is awareness, and it's a huge fundraiser for us that helps fuel our rescue for a good portion of the year. Where, when? Uh, So boxer stock is uh, being held this year at Jim R. Miller Park in Marietta. It's going to be on Sunday, October 11th, and it will be held from 12 to 6, and this is our eighth year having boxer stock. Now, the great thing about fall, not this misty rain that we've had for the last couple of weeks, because I know we're going to have great weather on Sunday the 11th for Boxerstock. It's a festival. And the wonderful thing about this part of the country, this time of the year, are the amazing fall festivals. Boxerstock is one such festival. What will people get to enjoy? So there's uh, fun and enjoyable things to do for um, kids of all ages, including kids our age, as well as your dogs. Um, we, uh, we start with activities for everyone. We have dog demonstrations, including nose work, agility, trick demonstrations. We have a dog costume contest. Um, we have a silent auction. We have vendors galore, including food trucks. But it's really all about the music. We have seven bands that are local and regional talent, which is the focus of Boxer Stock every year. It was created from the the Woodstock name um, to bring people together and have music and fun, and you know you can come and have enjoy the entire day and just listen to music and. Uh, in addition to that, we also have um, kids' activities um, as well as fun for your dog as well. We have two off-leash dog parks that we prop up for the day so you can bring your entire family, including the dogs, and, and just have a good time. We're so close to the date of the event. Can you tell us the names of some of the bands we'll be performing? Yeah. So um, our bands, uh, some of them are right here from Atlanta, some of them all the way up from Nashville. So this year we're having Cumberland Blue, The Sagas, Falling Through April, Morgan's Road, Matt Rogers, Justin Dukes, and Lachlan. And they're a mixture of country, rock, alternative, blues, soul, funk, just a whole bunch of great festival music, perfect for the fall. So then there's really something there for everybody's ears. Absolutely, yes. And then in addition to that, we also have music for um, kids' ears as well. So another big part of Boxer Stock is our Kids Village, where we have even younger up-and-coming talent and performances and demonstrations for um, that, that will be really exciting to bring the kids along in our kids' area. We also have uh, tons of inflatables and uh, kids' uh, activities and prizes and 
this year, we have a new addition. We're happy to uh, say that uh, we'll be having activities provided by the Atlanta Braves this year. Oh, really? They'll, they'll be coming with their inflatables and their tents and, and giving some stuff out. And um, they're a nice new addition to Boxer Stock this year for our Kids Village. Okay, Mike, how much does it cost to get in? I don't think I asked you that. So actually new for you this year, um, which we've never had this before, but um, kids under 12 are actually free. Um, make it a little more affordable for a family to come on in. Um, and then uh, 12 to 18 years old, it's $5. And then for everybody else, it's $10. And then we're also happy to extend a discount to uh, seniors, military, and students. And their ticket is only $5. Great event, fundraiser for Atlanta Boxer Rescue. Some of our listeners may not know very much about this organization. Tell us about what you all do. Absolutely. So we're a volunteer-run organization. Uh, Atlanta Boxer Rescue has been around since 2008, and we were created for the purpose of a breed-specific rescue uh, for the boxer breed. Um, We are happy that we just rescued our 1,000th dog, who we appropriately named Kilo. And um, the past couple of years, we've been averaging out, adopting out more than 200 dogs. Why is it important to rescue this particular breed, the boxer? Well, I, I wouldn't say the boxer is any more important than other breeds, but you're seeing it's, it's very common these days to have breed-specific rescues, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One being shelters are extremely overpopulated, and most shelters in metro Atlanta are kill shelters. So, and it's, it's very unfortunate, but, you know, until people have proper breeding habits, that's never going to be solved. But the nice thing about breed-specific rescues is – All of these shelters have either adoption or rescue liaisons that know the different breed-specific rescues throughout the area. So we'll be getting calls from whether it's Fulton or Cobb or all the way up in Hall County. Hey, Atlanta Boxer Rescue, we have a full-bred boxer here, um, and, you know, we need help. We'd like you to rescue it. And so breed-specific rescues help out shelters by making room for other dogs that can make it in. But in addition to that, it's also a place to go to if you want a specific dog. So, for example, whether it's you're looking for a boxer or a cocker spaniel or lab or what have you, if you want a boxer, right now, you know, you go online, you type in boxer. Most things come up are puppies or breeders or people that are multiplying dogs that really shouldn't be doing. But the nice thing about a rescue is we're there for people that want a boxer. And we have boxers of all ages, shapes, and sizes, whether you want a senior, a couple years old, and we often even have puppies. Help me remember, I, I'm thinking you have two? I have one. Only one. I knew I, I was going to say two, I and you were only going to have one. <laughs> so do you find yourself oftentimes being a temporary home for a boxer in between rescue and placement someplace else? So for me, not so much because we have allergy issues at home, but we have dozens and dozens of active volunteers that are continually doing that. A big part of our rescue efforts are our foster homes. You know, we have uh, we have volunteers for everything from transporting to uh, staffing our events uh, to to pulling dogs from animal shelters. But the, the blood of the rescue are the foster homes, and they're all volunteers just like you and I. They have their own dogs, their own families, and they continuously take in foster after foster. And we have some volunteers that have had dozens of fosters over the past couple of years with us. Has Atlanta Boxer Rescue ever had too many volunteers, or are you always in need of people to help out? So I don't think there's anything as too much volunteers. Uh, it's quite often that we need volunteers Boxer Stock is actually a good example this year. We still need a few more dozen volunteers for this year. Uh, in terms of what we do annually, uh, vendors, are, uh, I'm sorry. In terms of what we do annually, volunteers are always a help. 
But where we really need help is more foster homes because when we pull a dog, the only place for the dog to go to is a foster home. So the more foster applicants we have, the more volunteers that we have that could be a foster, whether it's a long-term or temporary foster, that's a huge help. And a big problem, well, I wouldn't say so much of a big problem, but quite often we'll have a foster that starts with us and they rescue a dog and the dog's living with them for a little bit and then they fall in love with the dog and they turn into what we call a foster failure. And then so the dog becomes theirs and then they don't have another foster. So it's Foster big... <laughs> failure equals permanent owner. Exactly, exactly. And we have a lot of people where um, they have multiple boxers that have all been foster failures and then they you know, still keep bringing them in as much as they can. <laughs> so what are the qualifications to be a foster family for Atlanta Boxer Rescue? Sure. So in order to be a foster, um, you just need to go on our website and fill out an application. We do have a application process that we follow, whether you're becoming a foster or someone that's adopting a dog. Uh, we conduct an interview. We conduct a, a home visit. Uh, but in terms of fosters, um, one of the biggest things that we look at is, you know, are you able to care for this dog? Do you have the time for it? Um, is this something that your family would be open to bringing in? Uh, a big requirement is any dog that you currently have at home needs to be spayed, neutered, fully vaccinated, um, and, and stuff like that nature. So when you go into the home, what are you looking for? So we, we pretty much, since, since we're not a fixed location and we're, we're really a network of foster homes, everything we do is by phone and email uh, and submissions on our website. So the purpose of the home visit um, for our adoption applicants is mainly so we have some face-to-face -face with the person adopting a dog to help understand, you know, that they, why they want to adopt the dog and make sure that a boxer is a good fit for them because a boxer definitely is not a good fit for everybody. Why do you say that? Uh, mainly their, their personalities. They're very much a uh, codependent breed. Um, my best way of describing it is they're that dog and that you'll see in a movie with the kid and the dog follows the kid around everywhere you go. And that's a boxer. Regardless of their age with adults, your boxer follows you pretty much everywhere. There's, there's zero privacy. And a lot of people, and that sometimes we end up with puppies because people will get a boxer and the dog's a little too play playful, is not very independent. They're not realizing what they're getting into. Uh, boxers, are I've heard them called the, being called the clown breed. And that's not always, you know, they're always the clown at the dog park, the one bouncing around, the one that's all animated and excited. So, um, you know, boxers are definitely not for everybody. When you're rescuing a boxer, are we primarily rescuing them from the shelters around town or someone could just randomly see a wandering dog and rather than taking it to the shelter, maybe taking it home for a minute and calling you guys? Right. And there's a, a variety of ways people uh, – there are a variety of ways people you know, find boxers and, and contact us and bring them in. Most of the boxers we get are from animal control with a very small amount being an owner surrender where somebody just doesn't understand the breed and, or they can't have it for some reason. Um, but we don't take in strays because nobody takes in strays. Uh, Georgia requires strays to be turned over to animal control. Um, the reason for that is most dogs are chipped these days. So it gives the, um, the animal control facility the opportunity to find a home for the dog. If you or, or send I, them back to their own home. Yeah, yeah. And if you or I lose our dog, you know, it's a place to go to. They have what's called a stray hold where they'll hold on to the dog for a couple of days to give the owner the opportunity to reclaim them before the dog goes out to be adopted. But most of the dogs that we get are from animal control. And we 
there's animal controls in every county in Metro Atlanta. So um, sometimes we drive, you know, hours <laughs> to, in order. To and those and those those right. dogs that you rescue, they they tend to need a lot of love, don't they? They're they, not in the best shape. No, nope. sometimes they are literally skin and bones, where you don't see anything except bones, and it, it's horrible. The 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 animals that we get in are just so neglected, um, and sometimes they're not neglected, but they have. Uh, they had previous owners that just didn't do the right thing, didn't give them um, heartworm preventative on a monthly basis, did not vaccinate them. Uh, heartworm is a big issue with dogs. So we may get a dog in that's nice and plump and is very well fed, but it's got heartworm problems that costs us quite a bit of money to clear up with antibiotics over time. And when a dog has heartworm, they need to be on crate rest and they need to relax and not be excited so they can get over that so there's not long-term effects on the dog. So now if I want to come to Boxer Shock on October 11th at Jim R. Miller Park and I'm going to bring my dog, I don't have a boxer. Can I bring my can my can I come and bring my dog anyway? You can bring Is it any, for all dogs? Absolutely. Any dog, all shapes and sizes are welcome. We are popping up two off-leash dog parks. Um, one for small dogs, one for large dogs, and we have appropriately named Boxer Bouncers, which are volunteers that will be staffed in there with air horns and, and big orange vests to make sure that everyone's behaving themselves. So um, you can bring literally your entire family and everybody can have fun. All right, reset for us again the date and the location. And I know it's free for kids under 12, but the ticket price is for other family members. Correct. Kids under 12 are free. Uh, 12 to 18, $5. Uh, over 18 is $10, except seniors, student, and military uh, is just $5. And it is Sunday, October 11th at Jim Miller Park in Marietta. And there's going to be music and food and fun and canines. And canines and food trucks and vendors galore and demonstrations and just an entire day of music and great and great family fun. Yes, great family fun and frivolity. I can't believe it's been a year, Mike Logan. Looking forward to seeing you again. Hope this year's boxer stock is as great as the one in 2014. And I know you guys did well with that, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Joining us now is Tony Award-winning actor and New Orleans native son, Wendell Pierce. He's soon to be seen in the HBO movie Confirmation as Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas with Scandal's Kerry Washington playing Anita Hill. Today our focus is his new book, the Wind in the Reeds, A Storm, A Play, and The City That Would Not Be Broken. Wendell Pierce, thanks so much for joining us. What moved you to pen this compelling memoir? I had a very specific and cathartic moment that happened with me when I was performing the play Waiting for Godot in New Orleans. Uh, when I said those prophetic lines of, at this place, in this moment of time, all mankind is us. Let us do something. And for me uh, and the audience members who were from New Orleans, it was that moment where we realized that it was our time and moment to exercise our right of self-determination and rebuild our lives, rebuild our community. And it just reminded me of the transformative and powerful nature of art, that it is not just a piece of entertainment. It's actually... A, a tangible force that can move one to action. And that's what it did for me uh, at that particular time. And that's what this play uh, did. And that's what this book is about. It's a uh, moment, this transformative time uh, in my life that I wanted to document in this uh, brief memoir uh, about the resilience of who I was, 
who my family was, who my community is and was, uh, like the wind that threatens the reeds, the wind in the reeds that shows the resilience of, uh, of a people in place. And time. Wendell, you are a native son to New Orleans. We know that your family, your neighborhood, very much affected 10 years ago with Hurricane Katrina and your work in Waiting for Godot, integral in helping to rebuild that community. Tell us, how is your family, how is the progress of your neighborhood? Well, we're almost 80% back. Um, uh, we have put together our own resident. Uh, initiated redevelopment, and uh, we have 40 homes that we have rebuilt over the past seven years. We hope to do 100 more. Um, my family, I've returned my mother and father to their home, a home that they've been in or had been in for 50 years. Uh, my goal is to get them back in there before they died. My mother and father in their 70s and 80s had spent a lifetime uh, in that home, and it was not just a small thing. It had been the result of a great advocacy, um, a great civil rights movement, um, access to green space. You know, in New Orleans, during that ugly time of segregation, blacks could only go to the park one day a week, and uh, Wednesday was Negro Day. And A.P. Churro, who was a great... Uh, civil rights attorney in New Orleans led the effort to have access to green space. And it was through that advocacy and that effort that um, the city and government capitulated. They didn't do it all the way. It was uh, separate but equal. So we took something ugly and made it beautiful. And uh, Pontchartrain Park became an incubator for uh, talent in the African-American community. And we wanted to make sure um, that that legacy continued on. So, as we put together this uh, Pontchartrain Park Community Development Corporation, we've uh, negotiated a deal with government for all those properties that were sold back after the storm so that we took them and put them back into uh, commercial use. And to date, we have 40 homes. About half of those are with people, uh, families in them, and uh, only half because there's still so much bureaucracy and so many policies in place that are kind of um, uh, nonsensical, really, because it restricts who we can sell the houses to. Anytime you're turning away people with cash in hand to purchase a house, uh, it's really un-American. So we still, even today, have battles to fight to make sure we repopulate uh, the community. But my family, I got in about uh, two years after the storm, and uh, I've since lost my mother. But uh, I I basically met that goal, which is I wanted to make sure to put my parents back in their home before they died, and uh, that I was able to do and spend the last few years with my mother, which uh, was a blessing um, that I would not have had had I not been a part of this very special homecoming or calling that my work, my art, asked me to be a part of or was the clarion call, that call to action that asked me to come home. And so I was able to do that with my mother. And that's where we are in the neighborhood of Pontchartrain Park. We're back. 
we have further to go, but we are back. Wendell Pierce, many who are listening to us right now, of course, know you from the HBO drama The Wire. We know you from Treme. We saw you in Selma and Ray. We know that you are working with Kerry Washington on the HBO film about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. You have used your art as a signal to your colleagues in arts and entertainment to do what you did in their communities when tragedy strikes or a need arises, for example, in Baltimore or in Ferguson, correct? Well, that is the role of art. I think in America we kind of lose perspective. Um, We think of art as just a piece of entertainment, but uh, it's not a piece of entertainment. It is an integral part of our lives. There's art in every aspect of our life. Art is... um, the merger of technical proficiency and creativity uh, in New Orleans has always been at the heart of of who we are. Uh, we live our culture more than any other community than I know, and culture and art is that intersection between life and how people actually deal with it. Uh, going all the way back to associate and pleasure clubs century-old benevolent associations which were um, which were put together uh, to combat uh, redlining and the lack of access to health care and the lack of access to to even a burial plot and a cemetery. Uh, we understand the pleasure part. You see those jazz funerals. You see those second-line parades. Uh, so the social aid and pleasure clubs, we understand that pleasure part, but People forget the first part of that uh, that name, that title, social aid, a social safety net. So that blueprint has always been there in the community of of art being more than just a piece of entertainment. It's a it's a active, tangible part of uh, of people's lives. And uh, I remember the thing that inspired me as an actor was the Free Southern Theater that used to go around the South during the Civil Rights Movement uh, in the middle of the 20th century uh, under the threat of violence, performing plays to move people and to embolden people and to fortify people as they challenged those those un-American laws of uh, Jim Crow and segregation and as people, uh, Americans, were fighting for full citizenship and not to be treated like second-class citizens during the civil rights movement, free Southern theater based in New Orleans. Uh, Art was always a proactive and tangible moving thing. Uh, That's what the Greeks did. And when people came to see the Oedipus cycle, that's uh, that's what it was when Woody Guthrie sang um, this land is your land, and this land is my land from California to the New York Island. It was during the Depression that those songs rang out and emboldened people and uh, reminded them that uh, they, too, will get through this. It was the words of Ronald Reagan, an actor, um, who moved the country to uh, to that shining city on a hill, um, it was Lech Walesa, a poet who moved the people of Poland uh, in the solidarity movement. Uh, for us in New Orleans, we all remember where we were when we 
heard Louis Armstrong for the first time after the flood 10 years ago when he sang, Do You Know What It Means to Miss New Orleans? So art has always played an important and transformative role and a transcendent role almost that uh, uh, as we tap into that hope, into that clarity of where we hope to go in our humanity, um, it's almost a spiritual thing. It's Ab- very cathartic. Absolutely. And I know we are um, so, short. I know we are short on time, Wendell, and I could talk to you forever. I wanted mm-hmm. to wrap with one final question in that what do you want readers to take away from the wind in the reeds? I would hope that they would see in my journey, in my family's journey, in my city's journey, in my community's journey, that very power of the transformative nature of art and see that for them also an intersection between life and how we deal with it itself is our culture, and that everyone uh, has access to that power. I hope that they see that and also uh, are awakened to, uh, to how it plays a role in their life and have the epiphany that I had on that day when I, on the hallowed ground of the Lord Ninth Ward, where so many people lost their lives during the play, I put out that clarion call. At this place, in this moment of time, all mankind is us. Let us do something while we have a chance. And I hope it moves them to action. I'm certain that it will. The book is The Wind in the Reeds. The author, actor and activist Wendell Pierce, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29, on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.